Beyond Infinity. Now, Simon is a beekeeper and an activist, and he's been interviewed several times on this station. You can listen to, to interviews that he's done where he talks about truth in advertising, about you know, what you actually get when you're buying honey uh, in supermarkets. They're all under interviews. If you just go to our program website, beyondinfinity.com.au, and do a search for either for Simon Mulvaney or just have a look under interviews and you'll find them there. But there's quite a few that Simon's been good enough to do with us over the years. And I'm sure quite a few of those have also found their way onto your social media, Simon. And uh, I think just- there was one of them that got taken down by the courts too or something right, we okay. had some issues with okay. but um you know that most of them are still there okay and and just give us your social media handles for the uh, for the listeners please um save the bees australia on yep. facebook and save the bees australia on instagram on twitter it's be the cure Okay. Uh, yeah. Cool. Well, I'm having a look at uh, Simon's website right now, bethecure.com and bethecure.com.au. Either way, you'll get there. There's some interesting stories and stuff that um, Simon's been posting here, and it kind of has it shows what's uh, what the latest stuff that he's doing on Instagram. He's got some pretty good numbers. You'd almost call him an influencer. I'm not exactly sure what the sort of technical definition in terms of numbers on social media is, but he's got over 55,000 followers on Instagram and 120,000 followers on Facebook which is pretty good going. I think it's um, it, more the bees have those followers than, than me. So <laughs> the, the bees are the influencers. So there's yeah, right. not, not much of me personally yeah. up on the pages. But I, I actually thought I'd run out of stories a few months in about bees. But it is um, non-stop. There seems to be something fascinating happening in the bee world yeah. all the time. Yeah. And like if I was, had to pick, you know, three stories this week it would be even quite hard there's more than that mm. um there's a funny one this morning where beekeepers sent me a, po- a picture of a um, beehive covered in um cannabis right and he's um up nimbin way where they have a problem with um small hive beetle this beetle that will um get inside the hive it, it does well in there because it's got no aroma and it's black so the bees don't notice it being there right and it can ruin your colony and he, this guy reckon he's, he's worked out that his cannabis deters the pests and um and and his his bees protect the plants in case someone wants to rip them off at night time yeah right well they, they hate cannabis up at nimbin don't they <laughs> and and look we're undergoing a debate in Australia and, and uh, I think New Zealand is moving towards legalisation, although maybe they've put some caveats on that, but they were going to be, and Canada's legalised it, even for recreational use, I think. Uh, a lot of the United States has legalised it, so kind of, as, I think it is being talked about in Australia and they're certainly uh, embracing using it in, in a medicinal uh, context, but uh, I'm not sure exactly where the debate is as far as full legalisation for recreational purposes. It may vary from state to state. Uh, certain places uh, in Australia seem to uh, be closer to the uh, the weed than others. Uh, for example, up in northern New South Wales, that Byron, Nimbin, hinterland area seems to uh, have a few growers over the years. But interesting that someone's actually decided that it's a way of protecting the beehive from from pests and from you know from disease bugs. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. well, and it's interesting in Canberra. I think they're one of the people who are first to legalise it too. Yeah, because um, I think the politicians um, <laughs> they don't mind a bit themselves. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, they, they got certain rules. Um, that they stick to while while we're not allowed. To. Yeah, they don't want to. They don't want to get um, get. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Um, I won't go there right now. But um, it, there's some. Um, 
Interesting stuff in the media also. I mean, there's all, as you say, there's always an interesting story about bees. Uh, and they're kind of, you know, they're so, well, they are kind of ubiquitous, but they're also such a beautiful little animal. And, and honey is something that for thousands of years has been a valued food source and source of nutrition. And uh, there's always kind of been a fascination just by the order and, you know, the way that beehives are so structured and uh, they're wild versions. They also can be kind of farmed in a way. Well, there's a couple of interesting stories that we're going to touch on. One is it's been found that they can be used to uh, detect COVID, and that could be particularly useful in, in poorer countries that don't have access to uh, laboratory testing. Um, and, and they can give a fast uh, result as well, apparently. Uh, but also the flow hive. Now, this was invented up in northern New South Wales as well, in that same hinterland area that we were just talking about, Byron Bay and, and thereabouts. Cedar Anderson is an is a inventor and entrepreneur. I think he comes from a beekeeping family. And Simon and I interviewed Cedar a few years ago where um, he was talking about his, his, I think it was a Kickstarter or um, Indiegogo ca- uh, campaign, which was the yeah. way that they, they crowdfunded the, the, um, the development of the Flow Hive. And I guess the advantage for people who don't know about it already, the advantage of it for users is that you, can, uh, you just literally have honey on tap. So you've got a, a beehive. The design of it's quite clever because you've got these two layers which kind of simulate the cells that a, a beehive would normally have but you can actually slide them apart and then that causes the the honey to run down and to be captured from the tap at the bottom of the device yeah correct and um, there were patents for it before the flow hive actually invented it you needed 3d printing to come out before it was really going to be successful or, or, or cost effective to, to do it I guess to manufacture yeah hmm but we're five years on now, I think, since, since it's come out. Mm. And they've been incredibly successful with their marketing. Mm. Now, I think um, from the numbers of our interview, there's over 70,000 of them sold in wow. 30 different countries or something yeah. like that. Yeah, so they were huge international. And they were also very, I think they were one of the most successful crowdfunded inventions at the time when they came out. I think they were the, one of the most successful in terms of raising the money ahead of actually um, having a product to sell. Yeah, and uh, I, I think I interviewed Cedar just as the invention came out. I could see in his eyes the obligation he had of fulfilling, I don't know, an order of $23 million or something for so many different people. Mm. I, I wasn't envious of that position mm. that he was in. Mm. It was in, it, 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 very difficult to get it out. Mm. And at the time, there was a few critics. I think I was one of the early critics. The first question I actually said to him is, haven't we got an issue with plastic already? And why should we be sub- subjecting this creature that's lived in harmony with the earth with a petrochemical waste from humanity mm. um, isn't it above that oh, it's, it was a hard leading question that i asked him with actually but and what did that, he say what was his answer to that uh he, i he, he he had a long pause and then he said yeah we are investigating plant-based uh, materials and then he said the the plastic um that he was using is going to last a long time or it's a lifetime type okay. plastic. It's not like a single-use plastic. Right. Um, and you can also recycle plastic, can you, can't you? And presumably it could be made out of plas- uh, recycled plastic. Yeah, I don't know if that's the case. The, the other criticism I had early on was the bees were taking a long time to accept the plastic. Mm. And I think that's because the plastic star- is a colder temperature than their normal wax, particularly in Victoria. 
Um, right. What about all the problem with the, the um, just a, a slight aside while we're talking about sort of pollution and plastics and stuff in the environment, but what about all the, you know, COVID masks that people are wearing? That's all single use. It's it's made out of, uh, you know, um, well, plastic related materials. They're not, it's not like it's cotton. It's not like it's a, a natural fibre that's used to make most of these masks that people are wearing for protection uh, in public places and, and when they're going about their daily lives around the world. A lot of them are winding up in the environment and causing a huge problem, winding up in the sea. Even. I was snorkeling, saw one. Right. You know, like, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah it terrible. was in the same view as a, as a lobster. You know? Wow. It was like, yeah. It, it, um, Maybe the so, lobster was worried about getting COVID. Well, um, you know, fortunately, I think they're protected being under the ocean. But, yeah, um, yeah. It's yeah, a big it, issue, it, isn't it? It's, it, it's a huge issue, at what's happening to the wait, oceans. And so, yeah, to, to think that the bees are going to be inflicted with that... You know, because of our negative aspects of what we're doing hmm. is um, is really sad. So going back to the flow hive, um, what, what so the so what are the issues with it? So it's it's made out of plastic, and what there's been rejection by the bees because they don't like well, the plastic. So that's the first step that you have to overcome, and so you're sort of forcing them to accept the plastic. Mm-hmm. And um, once they do, they do coat it with wax mm-hmm. and they'll reuse it. Mm-hmm. I look after people's bees for them um, quite often. Mm-hmm. And so I've always tried to steer people to get conventional hives because then it, it, the job doesn't take me too long. Sometimes when I crack the flow hive, it will take two hours for it to completely empty. So I tend to try to have to um, choose warmer days to do it. But as you know, when you get honey in your jar at home mm. and it's proper raw honey, it can crystallise. And quite often on the morning temperature, your honey will crystallise a little bit. If this happens within the flow frames, you can't crack the, the, the frame to um, get the honey out at all. Right. Right. So it's sort of broken at that point. Right. Um, are there many on the peninsula? Are there many uh, flow hives that people have got in private houses and yeah, yeah, properties? absolutely. Right. Like, yeah. they're very popular even down here. Very popular yep. all, all around the world now. Right, and um, a, a friend was doing a beekeeping course recently, and she's a bee-centric beekeeper, so she does natural ways of keeping bees, mm. um, like top bar hives and Kenyan hives. There's all different ways, but. Mm. She said eight of her students had flow hives. Right. And um, I think they've been, you spoke about influencers before, but mm. they've been really pushing that influencer way of marketing too, where okay. I think you've got Beckham has one and Chris Hemsworth has one. And, and so a lot of these people who are getting them have no idea about the basics of beekeeping themselves. Mm. As I'm finding out five years on, we've got these issues. Some people have sent me photos of warped plastic frames just because of the heat. Um, I've An interesting article came out last week about how the sperm count of males is, is going down because of plastic pollution. Mm. Um, that's one I'll, I'll send through. Apparently, every decade we're losing half our sperm just the fact that you're mixing heat with honey and plastic hmm. I, I i haven't done any tests there but I, I certainly don't think it's a good thing do you when you buy a flow hive just briefly do you they obviously don't come with bees so you've there are instructions i presume included so that you can sort of populate the flow hive with bees that will then sort of form a colony there and produce yeah honey. absolutely and yeah. um so a lot of the saved colonies i get mm. eventually end up 
in someone's hive in and a that might in be a flow, a flow hive, hive. Yep. and the flow hive in in the bottom boxes is just the same as a conventional hive yep. it's just the top box where you put the frames mm-hmm. um where it's a bit different mm-hmm. sometimes you, they're a bit crammed for space too the flow hives mm-hmm. um, unless you buy an extra box what will happen is the bees are a bit more inclined to swarm when they don't have enough room okay so I I love collecting swarms and I love that time of year, but um, it has become increasingly more an issue of the amount of swarms that are happening, say, in, in urban areas where people people are beekeeping. Mm-hmm. That's partly due to, to the cramped space of the flow hive. Okay. Um, but you can make adaptions for that. But overall, I, I guess my biggest concern is the plastic issue and how much more plastic there's going to be as a result of of this flow hive unnecessarily. You also pointed us to a story about bees being able to be used for rapid testing for COVID-19, which is obviously a really good thing for poorer countries. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, it's, I think you, well, we'll come to what the response of your followers, your bee-centric social media follows apparently had some objections about this and the treatment of the bees concern but it does sound like given that we've got a you know a very serious worldwide health problem and a pandemic on our hands that if bees can be taught to diagnose coronavirus that could be a really useful thing in low income countries with limited access to more sophisticated technology like the materials that needed for um, PCR tests which is what we have in Australia that's the kind of the gold standard is the uh, polymerase chain reaction which is you know done in a lab and that's the way they confirm if someone has or hasn't got COVID and that's and I think that is considered to be the most reliable still the most reliable sort of gold standard test but if you can get booze, uh, if you can get bees to do this quickly for you in a reliable way it's it's pretty handy too yeah i'm not surprised uh, that that my readers are just terribly disgusted by this i suppose i present bees as a sacred creature and and they were revered in egyptian times and mm. they give humanity so much mm. and to see a bee squashed inside a straw as such and 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 forced to eat sugar and, and you know coronavirus mixed in and an aroma i can see why people are a bit disturbed i was surprised how disturbed they were they're, they're calling for a petition to stop this type of testing but at the same time i had i wasn't shocked this you know bees were successful at doing this because mm. um, another scientist had worked out they could detect cancer through the breath as well isn't it amazing um so I mean, I guess I guess look, you may have objections about you know this in normal circumstance, but we're kind of living in pretty extraordinary times at the moment in terms of you know, and if you're in a, a, a poor country and you don't have accurate testing, then to be able to harness bees, I would have thought would be something that you'd, you'd want to do and you'd want to you know make that possible. Apparently, um, the way that it was done was uh, about 150 bees were trained using Pavlovian conditioning, which is, um, you know, where they gave the insects, as you mentioned, a sugar water solution um, each each time they were exposed to the smell of coronavirus. Uh, and when the bees were presented with a sample that was negative for the virus, they received no reward. And so after repeating that process, they got used to it and they were able to, they learned to stick out their tongues for a positive sample, even if no reward was offered. So by looking at the bee, uh, you could see the proboscis come out um, and that was a way of confirming whether someone had the virus or not. So um, pretty amazing that that can be done, you know. 
Yeah, well, there, there's I guess there's no pollution involved as well with that type of testing. Mm. And, um, mm. and you don't need a laboratory. You don't have the delay of waiting for the result. You don't have that. So, and, and occasionally you do get, I think they're about something like 93 or 94% accurate. So they're not accurate all the time. You can get false positives and false negatives. I guess the worst one to get is going to be a false negative because then someone who's got the virus will continue you know, like, oh, I'm fine now, so I'll go back to work. I'll go and hang out with my friends. Yeah, just amazing how how um, multi skilled these these creatures are, isn't it? Yeah, well, um, there's applications as well for bees to do the the drug testing on on stuff at airports as well. Really, and wow. the, the other amazing things is they've also got facial recognition. Um, so they're saying for airport security, they can can use you know bees eyesight but the apparently you can trick the bees by um a fake beard or or wearing a hat or something but how does the so, how does the bee communicate so if the bees recognized a face that's in the airport that's of interest to the security set up in the airport how does the bee tag the person who's of interest i, I think what they actually you, you do they must have um imagery related to the bee's brain right um, okay in, in so they're wiring, they wiring it up and actually tapping yeah. into the which is kind of like we were talking off air before about uh, Elon Musk's neural link. Um, and it was actually in the context of phones and, and, and Musk, I think, has even said that, you know, essentially... So neural link is basically... A, it's a, it's an embedded chip, I think, in your brain, which is going to be able to, um, you know, sort of connect a computer or, or a screen, let's say, so, or a monitor to your brain. So you'll be able to see your phone without touching your phone. So yeah, you can, direct interface. Yeah. But we're kind of already there because the phone, you know... We, I, you know if you if you've ever used reminders you know you can get very lazy you can just let your phone kind of be your memory for you you know well yeah yeah, like i i I know what that's like compartmentalizing the um the people in that i know and i might be out socially and say oh god i know that person um what's their name and run off in the corner and think (laughs) they know them they know them and and eventually jump on insta i'll I'll find out the name i'm looking for yeah um but elon musk went a bit further when on a podcast i heard him interviewed and he said eventually what will happen because he said language isn't that efficient a way to communicate and so you'll be communicating without talking um, which is quite a, a an amazing concept to mm. contemplate mm. Um, the scary part of all of this for someone who really enjoys living a life the way we are mm. is that it seems like it might be inevitable and and they're going to start using it for people who are handicapped yes whether they've got you know yep. they're blind so there's there's a great usage of it you know or someone who's lost the ability to speak or someone mm-hmm. who's dumb or or blind as you said you know there's so many uh, great uses for someone who's sort of trapped in their body who who would love to be able to I mean think of Stephen Hawking who was a great scientist but he was doing his work for a lot of his of his uh, adult life you know um, manipulating you know using his face or, or um, you know using a, the tiny part of his body that he actually had control over to manipulate a cursor to be able to speak mm. you know um, so so there's some great um, sort of medical applications for people who, who are disabled profoundly disabled uh, but where I guess for me it's sort of like okay well if you can if you can wire it up so that you can read my thoughts then does that mean you can interrogate me if, if I if I don't want to share my thoughts with you and and I was a person of interest and I've been stopped at the airport I mean they've got power at the moment as it is they can grab your phone 
and say, we want your phone. We're going to take it to another room and we're going to copy the contents of it. Well, I think it's and, we, and you have to give us the access to it. And if you don't, we'll fine you. I think what Snowden re- revealed is they're already doing that without us giving them their phones. Yeah. yeah. So, um, <laughs> like, how, you know, how far is it? It's sort of a battle. Are you going to go with the technology or it, it, because you probably, if you, you can't not. And the example of that is um, if I was employing someone now and they said, well, I don't like phones, I don't want to ha- have a phone, well, I'd say I can't really employ you because I, I need to give you tasks to do, whether it's out to get, get a bee swarm or, or whatever or, or I also need to, um, I need to be able to see your Facebook uh, mm-hmm. because that's one of the ways that people are vetted now for jobs. So like along with a credit check or depending on what your job is, you know, one of the ways that you'll look in, you know, references and your, 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 um, your resume, that sort of stuff. They'll also say, oh, you know, what, what are, you, are you on Facebook? You know, we want to have it. Well, and, and they may not even tell you. They'll just, they've got your no, name. And if you're they'll not look on, you up. Yeah. And if you're not on it, they'll go, well, why aren't you on it? Well, it's an unknown, uh, unknown commodity mm. if someone isn't on it and you're wondering, well, maybe they're not on it for a reason. So, yeah, it's a funny place we find ourselves but when you look at our children's era when this neuro link might be available mm. they might have the same issues if an employer is saying well if you're not on Neurolink, um you, you you're less valuable and um yeah your, your income's lower and you don't have the opportunities so it, it's a scary future in in my eyes yeah did you see um i mean elon musk is, a, is an absolute machine isn't he he's got his finger in so many pies i mean he's launched a he's launched you know literally i think it's thousands of satellites into low earth orbit um, that are like a constellation that are going to deliver high-speed internet to basically every corner of the earth yeah. he's got a he's got a big contract to to return americans to the south pole of the moon and that contract which is several billion dollars to potentially do it by 2024 in three years, it's been disputed by Jeff Bezos, who owns Blue Origin, and another company that also, another private space company, because they're saying, well, we weren't, you know, the contract process wasn't tr- uh, transparent enough and we should have been considered for, for some of this contract or, you know, we, it, it, it's it's like it went to went to him and and, and uh, that's being disputed. And then, uh, and then not only that, obviously, he's, he's got Tesla, which is making electric cars and, and has prompted the world's car makers, you know, that have been doing it for a century to switch. We are in the process of phasing out petrol-driven cars and diesel cars. And I think he's doing tunnels under the cities. He's, like got, a, he's got a company called the Boring, Boring Company, mm. which is putting tunnels. I think they've done a test tunnel under Los Angeles. That's right. I saw him recently, actually. Um, I just read about it. And I thought I'll check it on YouTube. Um, he did a Saturday Night Live appearance mm. recently. He was actually the guest host. Mm. And his mother was on stage with him as well. Mm. But it was funny. I mean, again, we're talking about a, a very multi-talented guy but there he is trying to be a comedian mm. on on live tv because it is actually live saturday night live is uh, i didn't realize that but it actually is live to air just as we are right now we're live to air this yeah. is not a pre-record <laughs> so if we get it wrong <laughs> <laughs> well i thought he was, yeah like you got to commend him for being brave for doing that mm. i think he opened up with he was the first person to do saturday night live that had asperger's, asperger's now now so he's got asperger's i didn't know that I had no idea about that. Yeah, and, and it, was, it was funny because you would think, obviously, that that condition's been performance-enhancing for him. But I thought he, he must look at, well, maybe he's 
he's normal and we're all not normal because of his huge intellect. But um, another question that struck me on a Joe Rogan podcast that he was on was he he said at one point you wouldn't want to be me, and um, mm, you can just that. imagine how many different ideas he's got the whole time going into his head. And um, I think he's renowned for not being able to sleep. Yeah, yeah, and sleeping at the office on the floor and yep. just doing huge hours. Yep, and and taking. Um taking sleeping pills, taking um, Zolpidem, which is still Nox. It's all it's one drug, basically, in all of those things. And and that's basically a... That's the similar drug to what they give you if they give you a general anaesthetic in hospital. It's basically shutting down your central nervous system. So it's a pretty full-on drug. It, it does have side effects. And, and I think that you're right, I think, in that interview, which went for hours, where he you know, very famously had a toke on a joint with Joe Rogan, who likes to mm-hmm. you know, break out the whiskey and, 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 and roll up a scoob once he's you know, well into an interview. And there's Elon Musk getting, uh, you know, having, having a, well, having I a puff. I don't even know if he inhaled. And I, and I don't think he's, he's... And he said, I'm not a smoker. And Joe's <laughs> going, Joe, who smokes a bit, he's kind of going, uh, oh, you know, how are you going with this? And... Um, you know, well, I haven't had, a, and I hardly ever smoke. You know, maybe you know, very, very, very rarely, if if ever. Mm. So either he would have been absolutely polaxed, or as you say, maybe it just did nothing to him. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he really had a deep inhale of it. And um, Joe Rogan's sort of shown that it it doesn't necessarily affect you too negatively if you have a joint but i don't think the people on the board of tesla thought that at the same time no, i think he lost his position yeah, all these, all that, well it was a big it was concerned about Jeez, and i think the, this guy's the running public companies well people were just concerned about it. it was very kind of um but that's that's one of the great things about Elon musk he is unconventional and 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 the other thing is that you know so much of the stuff that you know people go oh that's just crazy talk as if that's going to happen as if you can do that well he kind of does it well, you the, know the other recycling day. rockets landing rockets on barges the Neuralink, if you look onto their Instagram, they put a picture up the other day of a monkey with that has Neuralink in its brain mm. and gets rewarded the similar way the bee did mm, in the Pavlovian the system, but with a, a banana milkshake right. for playing Pong. And it plays that Atari game Pong that we grew up with mm. when we were kids mm. very well mm. with its brain without touching any gadgets. Oh, so, really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that one. Gee. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at what are the symptoms of Asperger's uh, syndrome. Uh, lack of social awareness, lack of interest in socializing and making friends, difficulty making and sustaining friendships, inability to in- infer the thoughts, feelings or emotions of others. So maybe that's why he's developing Neuralink so that it'll help him understand other people either gazing too intently or avoiding eye contact i mean they're just some of the symptoms that go with someone who's got asperger's i've actually i I did not know that about about elon musk i guess he's been able to he's he's grown up with it and he's been able to learn to manage the condition i guess because Mm. he would need to be able to have successful interactions with people just to be the success that he's been you know to run his businesses to interact with his his employees and his his co-workers and Mm. co-designers co-engineers all the rest of it anyway interesting topic we kind of strayed a little bit from bees and then we went into um into musk and uh, neural link but i guess that that was that ties back to uh, bees being able to tell you if you've got covid and by by, by literally sticking their tongue out at you pretty much yeah Proboscis. yeah yeah but fascinating interesting stuff i've got simon mulvaney of save the bees australia in the studio with me. It's about 13 minutes to one. 
Thanks for listening. We'd love you to review us on iTunes. It's a great way to let others know if you liked our podcast. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Beyond Infinity RPPFM on Facebook or Infinity RPP on Twitter.